Well, if you are not familiar with my face, let me introduce myself. Uh, my name is Pastor Mike, and I am our campus pastor from Lloydminster. And I have traveled a long way to be with you here today. Instead of just going normally from Lloydminster to Lethbridge, my family and I took a little bit of a trip, and we went from Lloydminster to Vancouver, and then all through the States, and up here to Lethbridge yesterday. So I think, what did you say? We drove like 25, 35? 3,500 kilometers to be with you here today. Rather than just the regular few. So if my kids fall asleep in the service, you'll forgive them, okay? Well, it's good to be here with you today. And I want to greet our campuses that will be watching. Uh, of course, our friends in Okotoks and Claire's Home and Tabor and Lloydminster and online. Although some of our online, some of our online are here today. So that's exciting. Very cool to see you guys. It's great to be part of one church in multiple locations. And we get to celebrate that today. Now, today is part three in our summer sermon series called This Is My Happy Place. And I don't know about you, but as far as seasons go, summer is my happy place. Can I get an amen? Any summer people in the audience today? A few. Any winter people in the audience? That's a little weird. <laughs> we can talk after. No, but I love summer. I love the heat, and I love the long days. I love the thunderstorms that come with summer. Uh, it's just my favorite time. And as we've seen, a lot of people kind of re resonate with that statement. But over the past few months, if you've been around Parallel Church, you'll recognize, you'll be reminded that we've been journeying into conversations about rest and Sabbath. And while I think there's a bit of a difference just between rest and Sabbath, um, I do believe that there is a connection. And I think as we reflect on the things and the places and the activities that bring us joy, also known as our happy places, I think that we can connect a lot of those to uh, rest and to Sabbath. And we seek our happy places to help us get to our rest, to our Sabbath. To restoration. So it makes sense for us to talk about these things and see what Jesus might want to teach us as we explore these things together. Now I've got to admit to you, the biggest challenge for me in preparing for this message was coming up with a happy place that I could really like connect to scripture and make into a sermon. Because there's lots of things that bring me to a happy place. Um, music would be one for me. And, and I thought about it, and I thought, well, I could talk about how David played music to, like, soothe the murderous rage in King Saul. But I thought, you know, maybe that's not the vibe we're going for here today. Maybe that's not the direction I want to go. And, you know, I also like reading. Man, you put me in a hammock with a pillow and a, like, never-ending filled-up glass of ice water, and there will be a smile on my face a mile wide. Um, and part of that will also probably be because if you put me in a hammock with a pillow, I'll probably end up falling asleep and napping. So, you know, I, I, I don't think that was something that I could connect to a sermon properly. Although there was a guy, I don't know if you know this story, there's a guy who fell asleep in a church service. He was sleeping in a windowsill and he fell out of the window and he died. And then they resurrected him. But 
that did happen in the Bible. So I guess I could talk about napping, but, you know, again, it didn't feel quite right for me. Another thing that I considered was talking about work. And I get a lot of confused looks. Absolutely. But, you know, work is a happy place for me sometimes. Sometimes. Uh, And I had this whole message crafted in my head about how God created us to work. And not just lay around in my hammock reading my book and having naps. Right? But I felt that that was probably going to be a little bit contrary to where we wanted to go. So I pushed that one aside today. But we might come back to it on another Sunday. So just be ready. It was a real challenge. I was struggling. And so what I did is I started to begin to think back and like scour my memory for moments over the past six months or so where I'd felt, you know, the spark of joy or like I was fulfilled or like I was fulfilling what I was supposed to be. And I came back to something surprising. What drifted to the surface of my memory and my thoughts were a handful of conversations that I've had with different people in different places. They weren't always planned and they weren't necessarily scheduled, but they were, as I'm describing them today for the purpose of our message, life-giving. Conversations where encouragement takes place. Conversations where our walls come down and there is honesty and vulnerability where where we aren't hiding. Conversations where Hard questions are asked and conversations where ideals and dreams and hopes can be fostered. Conversations where you walk away feeling like there's maybe some life where there wasn't life before. The kind of conversations that bring about hope and inspiration and joy. And, and you know, I call these my, my God conversations. Not necessarily that I'm having a conversation with God in these moments, but they are conversations that happen, and I realize that the joy and inspiration have come about because God was clearly moving in the conversation, in and through the conversation that I just had. Does that resonate with anybody? Have you had those kind of conversations before? Well, let me give you an example. We're going to look at a story in the Gospel of John where Jesus has a conversation that I I think is a life-giving conversation. So it starts in in verse 1 in chapter 4 of the Gospel of John. And it says that the Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who uh, was baptizing, but his disciples. When the Lord learned of this, He left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now, he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sichar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well, and it was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, "'Will you give me a drink?' His disciples had gone into town to buy food. So as we listen to this, as we read this together, we look at it and we think, well, this seems like a very reasonable situation and a very reasonable request. Like, you know, for us, we look at this and it doesn't seem like there's anything out of the ordinary, but that's because we read 
this story with modern eyes and modern interpretation. But as the story continues, we'll see that there was something odd about this situation. So here's the next verse. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. So we learn, we see, and we come to understand that in this situation that may have seemed normal to us, there is a religious, cultural, ethnic divide that makes this actually quite a weird and tense situation. And it's also odd, you know, she didn't just say, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan. She said, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. So on top of that, there's a gender thing going on here where Jesus, as a a rabbi, a teacher, a semi-respectable member of the community, is having this conversation not only with a Samaritan, but with a Samaritan woman. So as this conversation begins, there's lots of walls up and lots of reasons that we might think, or someone at that time might have thought, that this conversation should be avoided at all costs. We'll carry on. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Now, Jesus doesn't give in to the temptation that we all might have faced in a situation like this to just go with the small talk, right? He could have asked about the weather. He could have asked about the crops. He could have asked about the price of camel feed. Or he could have taken the hint that she didn't want to talk to him and just have been quiet until his disciples came back. But instead, instead, Jesus steers the conversation towards something that they might have in common rather than something that divides. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Very practical question. Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself as did his sons and his flocks and herds? You see, with Jesus' provocative statement, he has gotten her attention. He's drawing her into this conversation. And she couldn't help but respond to what he said. And you know, it's funny to me because as I read this, I read this story and I was reflecting on it, I think of the old saying um, that says that you should never discuss certain subjects or topics over dinner. Does anyone know what those are? Politics, I heard that. That's one of them. Religion, money, sex. Those are things, if you have good manners, you are going to avoid talking about those things at all costs. And we we think we're having good manners, but really, we're just avoiding topics that open the doors to our true selves. Topics that make us real, even if it makes us a little uncomfortable. And I think it's funny because Jesus doesn't avoid topics like this at all. He uses a conversation, first starting about religion, to lead to a life-giving conversation. And as we see, he's also going to have a conversation about relationships. 
carry on the interaction here. Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water that I give will never thirst. Indeed, the water that I give will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. In this story, in this interaction, this is like, this is a true offer of life at the crux of the conversation. For this woman to recognize that before her stands an opportunity to find the life that she was created for and that has been provided for her, eternal life and relationship with God. From there, as she responds, we're not going to read the entire rest of the story, but as she responds, she yearns for the life that she's discovered through this conversation with Jesus. And Jesus continues to take, like I said, this conversation to deeper levels of truth and revelation. He speaks into her life about her relationship and her relationships. But he doesn't condemn her. He doesn't drive her away. And he doesn't allow her sin to get in the way of his offer of life. But he doesn't ignore it either. But what he does is he strips away the parts of her that she wants to hide. The parts of her that are pain and shame. The parts of her that we all have. He reveals it and still he holds out his hand with an offer of life. And what is the result of all that? John chapter 4, verse 39. This is towards the end of the story. This is what it says. It says, Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. She found life in this conversation with Jesus. And then she took it and she brought it to everyone in her town. And many of those people believed. Man, I love conversations like this. Where you sense the Holy Spirit moving and guiding, where there is unity and receptivity and a a common desire to seek the truth together. But what can we take from this story? What might Holy Spirit want to be teaching to us or revealing to us today? How can we allow life-giving conversations to be a part uh, of our life on a regular basis? So there's two things I want to point out for you today. And the first one is this. We might be tempted, you and me, to look at this story and think, well, that's all well and good for Jesus. He knew secrets about this woman. He was able to tell her things that she thought were hidden. He was able to see through her facade, her mask. I can't do that. But you can. You can. Jesus in John chapter 14 talks about how the miracles that he does are merely evidence of his relationship with the Father. God is at work. God the Father is at work in and through Jesus and through their relationship. 
Because ultimately, Jesus is listening to what the Father is telling him to do, and then he's responding to it, and he's, he's taking the step, okay? And the same is true and promised in you and me. For those of us who know God, who, who live in relationship with him, who have the Holy Spirit, you know, we can be in that same place. Jesus says, if you have faith in me, you will do what I have been doing. And actually, you will even do greater things. And we know that part of how this works as we have life-giving conversations is that the Holy Spirit is present and active, speaking to us, guiding our thoughts, guiding our words, allowing us to listen to another person, maybe in ways that we may not normally be able to. To hear what the other person is saying without maybe them actually saying it. It happens all the time. And it's an incredible joy when it happens and it wells up inside you. I want you to hear me say, don't compare yourself to Jesus and his miraculous works and feel inadequate. Because your ability to speak miraculously or not miraculously will come out of your relationship with him. God will give you the insight and the knowledge that you need to speak and to offer the life that people are looking for in whatever situation you might find yourself in. God will do those things, and he will do it through you. So be encouraged and be emboldened. Here's the second thing. You have the choice. Jesus could have just sat there as we talked about and ignored the woman. He could have done some Sudoku or he could have scrolled Facebook on his phone. But instead, he chose to engage and connect. And he started simple. He asked for a drink of water, something that all people need, regardless of race, religion, politics, gender identity, any of those things. He started with something that they had in common and built out from there. He ignored the walls that the world had placed between them and focused on something that they could share. He made a choice, and so must we. We need to come up for air, for relationship and connection, even with people we don't know and even with the people that we might be uncomfortable with. We need to make a choice sometimes. Now, this reminds me, this conversation about choice reminds me and brings me back to a passage that has been very impactful in my life. And if I ever got brave enough to get a tattoo, that's probably what I'd get tattooed on me. But I'm not there yet, okay? One of the passages in Scripture, this passage in Scripture that I come back to again and again is in Deuteronomy chapter 30, where God is speaking to his people, and he lays out everything for them. And he says, on this side, if you make this choice... Over here, this is death. But if you make this choice, this is life. Not only for you, but for your children and your children's children and your neighbors. This is the path of death, but over here is the path and the choice of life. And then he says, he doesn't just leave it there. He doesn't say, hey, there's two choices. Go ahead and pick whatever you want. God says, here are the two choices. Now choose life. God doesn't want us to choose death. 
He wants us to choose life. So he gives us the two options, but he implores us, implores us to choose life, to go toward him, toward life, and to, to bring people with him or with us. So when it comes to the opportunity and the situations of having life-giving conversations, I encourage you, I challenge you to choose life. To recognize that you have the opportunity to impact someone's world just by having a conversation with them. And sometimes it can be simple. Sometimes it doesn't necessarily have to lead to them you know, choosing Jesus at the end of it in that moment. Sometimes it's just saying something encouraging, being polite, being caring. But then there are other times where we can have a conversation like this, like the one we just saw, where we get to choose or we listen to Jesus and we hear the, the encouragement not to just leave it at face value. But where you make room to go past the walls, the mask, or whatever it is you might find and call them to more. Not out of judgment, but out of love, like Jesus. Today's takeaway is this, and it's very simple. And it's choose life. Choose life. Something that hopefully you can remember. It can become kind of like a a mantra. Something that you repeat to yourself in each moment, each conversation, each opportunity. Choose life. You know, and where do I... Where do I have these conversations? You know, on the practical side of things, where do I, where do these conversations come up for me? You know, I had to scour my memory. Where were these conversations? And there were two, you know, kind of, not physical spaces, but two moments or two types that I think back on. And the first place that I have conversations like this are with people that know Jesus and who follow him. And, and that, that comes out of, Mutual encouragement and edification. You know, showing up to church on a Sunday morning sometimes and and finding a friend who's had a hard week and allowing God to use you to encourage them by listening to them, by praying for them, by speaking life where maybe all they can see and feel is death and loss and grief. So that's one place that I have those conversations to be aware of, life-giving conversations. But the second place, second people that I have this conversation with is people who don't know Jesus. And it's so amazing when, you know, we don't, I I don't go out of my way. I don't like, you know, have a a schedule reminder. Okay, I'm going to talk to this person today about this. Often what happens is, we build our relationships and we have our friendships and our connections in our homes, in our workplaces, in our communities. And God brings about moments where you have an opportunity to connect with someone. This is how it happens for me. I often don't go searching for it, but it happens. God brings these people to me and maybe they're having a hard time. Maybe they're struggling with something. Maybe there's pain in their life or maybe they have a question. Whatever it is, God opens doors for me to share hope with them. For me to encourage them and bless them and listen to them and love them in a way that brings life. In a way that points them towards Him. 
because he is the true author and source of life. And you walk away from those conversations and you just feel the joy of the Spirit on you because you know you're doing what he's called you and created you to do. And you know that that person has had an experience with him as well now because of that. Opportunities for life-giving conversations are all around you. They are here with people in this room. They're out there with people that you might not even know yet. The step is to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit as he opens those doors for you, as he prompts you, as he empowers you with knowledge, as he helps you do so much more than you thought you could do, offering life to those who are seeking it and seeing the change as they embrace it. Let's pray. God, we are so thankful this morning. Again, my heart is just so full of thanksgiving. Because you set the stage. Scripture is full of life-giving conversations that you had with your people. And as we reflect on those, we recognize that you have just reached and reached and reached and made a way and invited us, and not just invited us, you have implored us to choose life in every aspect of, of how we live. For ourselves, for our families, for our neighbors. It's a big opportunity and a big responsibility and a big blessing. And so we're thankful for that this morning. And Holy Spirit, we just ask that as we reflect on your word, as we reflect on your example, that you would bring about that change in us. Where we would not be content to just talk about surface level things, but to be bold and speak powerfully out of our relationship with you, to speak life into places and into lives that feel like they're struggling and on the path to death. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Each week here at Parallel, we give an invitation to life. You may be here this morning and maybe you have never uh, begun a relationship with Jesus. And, and that's one of the things that we give a little bit of a different point of view toward. You know, we're not inviting you to, to join a religion or to join a club. We're inviting you to a relationship and to a family. And that's what Jesus is all about. And so if you're here this morning and you've never begun a relationship with Jesus, and as you sit here, you feel that kind of prompting or that that burning in your heart that's not heartburn from your breakfast this morning. And you sense that this is a step that you want to take. I'm going to, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. What I'm going to do is I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And a prayer is just talking to God. It's not anything super fancy or, or overly spiritual. It's just talking to God and listening to him. And so I'm going to lead us in that prayer this morning. I'm going to lead us with the words. 
And I'm gonna ask everyone to bow their heads, close their eyes, and, and repeat this prayer with me out loud. But if you're here this morning and you haven't begun that relationship with Jesus and you want to, you wanna move from death to life, as we pray this together, just speak these words to God with meaning in your heart and he will hear you and he will welcome you into the family this morning. So let's pray. Dear Jesus, I confess that you are God and I believe that you rose again from the dead. I thank you that my sins have been forgiven and that my past is in the past and that I can begin a new life with you right now. Come into my life. Bring life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now with heads still bowed and eyes still closed, if there's anyone here that prayed that prayer today for the first time, would you be bold and give me a wave this morning? We want to be able to pray for you and walk alongside you in this new journey, this new relationship. Just give you a moment here. you can open your eyes and lift your heads. We're so grateful for all that God has done. We are going to continue to sing into that this morning. So I'm going to turn things over to the team.